0: For your consideration, Searchlight Pictures presents Poor Things, a fantastical dark comedy from director Yorgos Lanthimos. Poor Things is the incredible evolutionary tale of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist Dr. Godwin Baxter, one of the best reviewed films of the year and winner of the Golden Lion for Best Film at the Venice International Film Festival. Critics hail Poor Things as non-stop bonkers brilliance, sheer bedazzlement, and an instant classic, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, and Gerald Carmichael, in select theaters December 8th, everywhere December 22nd. Get tickets today. Welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast, I'm Jim Hemphill, features writer for crafts and special projects at IndieWire. My guests today are director Ben Affleck and editor William Goldenberg. We're here to talk about their latest film, Air, the story of how Nike convinced Michael Jordan to choose them over Adidas and Converse. Affleck and Goldenberg's previous collaborations include Gone Baby Gone, Argo, and one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years, Live By Night, and I'm really happy to welcome them here to talk about their collaboration on Air. So I guess to get started, I'm curious for you guys You've worked together several times now. What are the initial conversations like between the two of you when you get started on something like this? Do you bring Billy on pretty early? Well, in the first movie, I didn't, and Billy kind of
1: rescued me. And so then after that, I wanted to make sure that Billy would do the movie before I do it. But, you know, it's sort of like, there's like a few people that, as a director, you're kind of like, I don't really feel safe. You know, it is, people thought it a film as a director's medium and so on, and we all have heard about the auteur theory, but my experience is really very much of a collaborative effort where you really rely on other people who are great and you know Air this last movie was the best example of how like just you learn to trust somebody so much and they're so good and make you look so good it's really like I just look forward to seeing you know Billy makes the scenes better than I thought they would be.
0: Mm -hmm. And so what kinds of with Air going into it like what did you see Billy as sort of the maybe the challenges that were looming ahead or what excited you about it? I mean to me me it seems like you know one of those movies that looks simple but is not because it's like a lot of ensembles a lot of you know people in rooms talking like stuff that looks easy but is actually quite difficult to figure out how to block how to edit how to shoot all that kind of stuff well you know what was exciting me about it was first of all i love working with ben but the subject
2: of the film I, mean, I knew so much about jordan i grew up in the 80s and so the idea of like that that time period and and getting to work you know with seeing those costumes seeing those cars you know Seeing uh, you know, all that music, all the songs, or you know, songs that I grew up with, so that was really exciting. Just to, just the idea of that, and um, and it was a story I didn't know really. So because I, I knew a tiny bit about it, I heard Sonny's name. I kind of you know, but so it was really interesting for me to to learn the whole story, which is you know part of the one of the great things about working in the film business. You get this sort of uh, you know special education in all these different subjects. Um, and, uh, but I knew going in, like the challenge is like the scene where Sonny pitches Michael in the boardroom. I knew right away that was gonna be the scene that we worked on the most. It was sort of the most adventurous, you know, writing wise, you know, flashing forward to his life. And a lot of people are at a table, which is always a challenge. So I knew that scene in particular would be difficult. And I knew the opening would be difficult because, you know, or challenging because of all the sort of mixed media, you know, we're using you know, commercials, and we're using, you know, 8mm, 16mm the Ben shot, and we have scenes weaving it and out of it, so I knew that was going to be a challenge, but, you know, that's what makes it fun, so... And then, you know, the cast, When I heard as the cast kind of came together, it was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, and then it was Viola topped off by Viola Davis, and, you know, I wanted to edit something with her in it for my entire career, so that was sort of the icing
0: on the cake. You know, since you brought up the opening, I'm curious if you guys could walk me through a little bit The process of coming up with that opening and you know how much of it is archival footage what is stuff that you guys are shooting and and how much not trial and error but i mean how you know how much were you going back and forth trying to figure out the right balance of all that stuff
1: i mean honestly i hate to say it but i was kind of like oh billy you (laughs) could uh I, i shot a bunch of stuff in the the idea was to create to sort of come out of archival footage into our story In a way, so that was a little bit of the same trick um, from Gone Baby Gone was to shoot in the opening of that movie. We shoot sort of documentary stuff and it and it ends up, um, you know, it feels very real. And so there's this obvious authenticity about it. And then if you can sort of weave it into and land it with your your characters in the neighborhood, the idea was to make them feel authentic and a part of that. In the same way, there was there was a we needed to contextualize for the audience. Like Nike is not a big basketball name; the world is different. Like because there's a lot of frames of reference on which you have to sort of rely in order to get, in order to contextualize the story. And that was a lot of work. And I just thought, you know, look, we got to see the '80s. I want to shoot the office of Nike on Super Eight and have the employees shoot it, and you know, the extras basically sort of shoot it, shoot one another, and do stuff, and just kind of go around and get inserts of the. You know these these little totems we kind of identify with the period. Oftentimes are just or the ColecoVision, Vision, you know, or the Garfield toy, or the Mondale poster. And I thought, you know, that would oh right. If you if you had some frame of reference or remembered it, it would root you in that along with the music. And I wanted to get stuff from the eighties. And Billy just uh, I shot a bunch of footage. And honestly, that was one where Billy just put it together, and I was like, this it's it's I learned not only to trust but to rely on it, Billy so much that. I kind of didn't even really direct it. I was like, here you go, make it great. And he did, and I've gotten spoiled. I'm used to that, and I'm scared.
0: And so what was the process like, of winnowing down? You know, I mean, to me, it seems like where do you even start? Trying. Well, to- yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, there were. I just started looking at it
2: hours and hours of stuff on YouTube or stuff that our stock footage uh, person got us You know, to pick the commercials and I think originally as written. It was just started with a with a converse commercial, you know. That's yeah, that, that, the scripters said the one converse commercial, yeah. Right. So that and then we went into the movie. But I, you know, Ben wanted to set, you know, contextualize the viewer. So, so I just started looking at stuff that struck me as, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that film, or that, or that TV commercial, like you know, where's the beef, and you know, things that were so, and like we have Mondale and Reagan because that's who was running for president. And cell phones and what technology was like, and you know, so much of that of the it's a pop culture kind of thing so a lot of the references I ended up picking had pop culture you know references so that it would you know fit in with the film, so and then we you know were able to weave in the two scenes with Sonny, you know at a, at a high school basketball game and then you know on his way to Vegas and then you know arriving at Nike. So uh, originally uh, those scenes were scripted to be in the body of the film, the Nike. I'm sorry, the high school basketball and uh, and the Vegas, but it just I think Matt, right, Matt.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It didn't work. We we, yeah. did, we looked at it and we we shot yeah, the for
2: later, and then I don't know whose idea. Yeah, it was, it was somebody. Later. We said we should. We want to. It'll it'll let us know what kind of person Sonny is. That he's a gambler. That he's a risk taker. That he's involved with high school basketball. So we were able to, you know, sort of seamlessly come out of the of the stock footage into the basketball, you know, and then sort of arrived in the sort of world of the movie. But what was great, we've been shot so much stuff in the Nike bullpen in our our Nike office. Um, it just kept coming and coming and coming, and you know, he would. He would, every few days, send me a select roll, you know, just all his favorite pieces. And I would just pick what I wanted from those favorite because I could have made it, you know, 20 minutes long with all the select pieces, so.
1: It was also informed by Argo, you know, I had planned to do some stock footage stuff for the embassy overthrow occupation in in Tehran. And when we were in Turkey shooting it, I shot a bunch of Super 8 and some 16, and it's often people ask me, oh, where'd you get that archival footage? And I found that actually, you know the the we really do have these associations with periods based on the medium that's being used to record stuff. So then I got like some three tube video cameras from the early 80s that were had a, that, where they we would have that sort of bleed. You know, you'd pan and it would drag. You know, the the highlights uh, and that looks really specific and and the archival stuff and and once again I you know there was there was definitely the sense of like oh. It becomes difficult to discern when you're using our stuff shot on that old video cameras are super eight. And then we I went to sixteen millimeter too, which is a little bit less grainy and has a different aspect ratio as it sort of migrates toward, in fact, shot some of Matt watching the basketball game on 16 millimeter too, so that you wanted to man talking to Bob Richardson about like how we sort of slowly grade into, you know, um Our our look and it still feels we've imbued that with that sort of subconscious. Okay, I know it's it's that period. We just talked about that with Billy, and he he just he just put it together, you know, expertly, so that you felt to me finally, you know, really fluid. And I didn't. Yes, there's a lot of me. I operated at all the uh, sixteen and eight millimeter stuff, like at lunch, and so (laughs) some of it was a little messy, but.
2: Billy, uh, mean, yeah, it was that supposed made to it be... feel like it was very you know yeah it was a perfect uh, on purpose um, <laughs> we, uh, no it made it feel real it made it feel like somebody had an action Nike wasn't composed it was just like you know that's what they did one day and if somebody had Nike grabbed a camera and maybe there's a couple of shots but there's a shot on there of that
1: yeah, that was and a good idea holding. Billy use the shot of somebody because they had been past the camera back and forth there were a couple of super cameras and I was giving them to them and people were I don't even know I had ma- meant to necessarily have thought of it but because you see them filming it you go. Oh, I see. This is footage from from mm-hmm. that time. And it was based on a. Um, there's a party that they had at Nike, like that. Phil Knight kind of presided over. I'm not. Do you remember what that party oh, was Oh, was, I
2: don't. First, I'm here. It's
1: You, <laughs> you, I, I showed it to you. Like it was. Um, or maybe it's yeah, just yeah, like the, somebody. It's it's, worth, it's the party for the woman's retirement who came up with the swoosh, okay. and they were reti- and, and I took from that the fact I discovered that like sh- that she made you know some incredibly modest amount of yeah. money for coming up with that piece of graphic design which is so iconic as i thought oh wow that that kind of foreshadows and speaks to this idea of like the people who established these like meaningful sort of cultural brand icons being you know fairly compensated michael jordan being the epitome of that <laughs> and um, as a precursor to this woman kind of being like sort of marshals oh they're like oh congratulations you retired you made the swoosh great and you kind of <laughs> feel like oh man you know, this lady like really did something important for this company and she kind of, but it was like owned by the company because she worked there. So all that research informed that stuff and it they did have these kind of few parties that somebody filmed a little bit of and I thought, okay, so
0: this, this feels realistic. While you're shooting, what how close are you, Billy, to where they're shooting and how many conversations, how, how, how closely are you guys? Collaborating and conversing during the actual production. Well, this was a unique situation. We made the entire movie in an office well, almost the entire
2: movie in an office building in Santa Monica. We took over the entire we, it, we took over the entire building. You know, I was cutting downstairs, the production offices, the props, the wardrobe, the sets were all in one big building for the most part. And um, so you know, Ben could come between setups, between between takes, you know, I'd or I'd show up in the morning and he would be in my cutting room messing around at the oven. Um, much to my dismay, um, and, um, I heard, so, I heard, I heard that, uh, <laughs> you, you just did, have that. operate a crane. I don't know what that has to do with editing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or electrical stuff too. Yeah. I do a lot about that and chemicals <laughs> anyway. So, uh, it was fantastic for that. We, you know, we were able to, we were able to move the film so much farther along by the time we were finished shooting because Ben was constantly in the room, constantly looking at cuts, giving me feedback. You know, or seeing, like, oh, I need. Do we need a shot, or do we need a transition here? Like there were times where, I mean, I think this happened. You know, where we needed the transition, and Matt came into the room with Ben, and we talked about it for 20 minutes, and they said, okay, we'll be right back, and they just ran down the hallway and shot it. You know, that, that was that immediate. That's the ideal. I mean, that was the whole one of the main drivers
1: behind. As part of my head, looking at like how do you looking at movies from when I started to now, we sort of have this vestigial format. That's a function of the 40s and 50s, 30s even, when you had like very, very heavy equipment, extremely slow film, lots of lights. Um, but the studios sort of developed a system around that, uh, some of which has been kind of left behind is really, I, I've often found really useful. Like, just like in interesting anecdotal stories about, well, Michael Curtiz, he showed up the day before Casablanca started shooting. He kind of went out, bagged it out, walked away at the end of it. Kind of, like, <laughs> you think, wow. Like, <laughs> they, and that's Demi Casablanca that way. So I've been, I, I was interested in looking at stuff like that, um, and this gave the opportunity, like, because I, I always like editors should be connected, especially with Billy, who's this is a guy who I love and trust and rely on, and who who I get enormous benefit from, you know, communicating back and forth with. And I really want to share that with the other actors. It was really, really useful. For one thing, we're able to move really quickly because you move with confidence, much more confidence. You don't sort of tend to have to hose everything down and spend a lot more time and wear everybody out because you kind of feel like we can look at it, we can go back and get it. We're sort of in the process. We can touch it up as we go forward. Like we're gonna see, and Billy's so fast and so good. Fast and good are rare, both together is exceedingly rare, because the, the value of it is that you get this real time, like next day, come in, lunch, and I'd take Jason and, and Matt and a bunch of actors come back, come down, and I'd go, like, look at the scene, like, and Billy would have cut it. And we'd look at it, and it looks like, you know, it's not like rough cut, you know, sort of like dry, uh, you know, laborious sort of classic sort of, well, this is the editor's cut, and it's not making any choices, and we're going to show you every angle, and it's, a, it's an exercise kind of in politics. This was like, this is a version of the scene. you go to look at it and with with like sophisticated people like Bateman and I mean, oh, like Chris Tucker and Matt and, and you know, you could look at it and we had such benefit because I could cheat at my job. The director's job in part is to let people know like, what movie are you in? What's the tone here? What's working? What direction to go? And with those performers, I could just come in and go, well, look at this. You know, the next day, and I could see all the actors kind of going, okay. You're like," And they start to calibrate. They see what's working. They see what's not. Sometimes they go, did, did you see the, the what the take where I laughed? Or mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean? And sometimes it was like, oh, maybe. And sometimes it was like, yeah, but there's not, you know, it doesn't work because of blah, blah, blah. And they, oh, okay, you know. And and so that conversation, that's a lot of, you know, trust. And typically, people don't want to do it. They protect the process. It's not right yet. And I, I understand that. But in this case we developed this very fluid back and forth. So we were always, every the editing room was kind of the centerpiece of the fulcrum of what we were all doing. And so we're all coming through. And then also, I don't know if it was useful to you to get everybody's kind of vibe. I mean, one time, like, there was a scene that we never really figured out what we were going to do. Um, it was when Matt's got to discover something that only he sees about Michael Jordan that, like, gives him insight over everything. extremely difficult because, A, First of all, everybody now just assumes, well, Michael is the greatest, like you have to be a moron not to see that. That was one of the editorial challenges to like, mm, get people to understand. Like, no, 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 we don't know that yet. Like And then the other thing was, well, what could this guy, insight? He ha- what insight could he have that we can communicate to an audience that that is credible, that where you believe that he actually recognizes something before others do. And me and Matt and Billy watched the dailies of the championship game the night before. Because we knew the seems about the championship, but it was kind of like, Oh, you know, here's Jordan takes the championship shot, and but it wasn't it wasn't convincing. It wasn't he didn't see anything that like well everyone's seen that game, you know. And that, In fact, Jason put that line in because he was like, yeah, we all saw this game. That was the problem is that he wasn't the only guy to watch a NCAA championship from two years ago. And as we watched it, uh, Matt, Billy, and I went through the whole fourth quarter of the game. That we went home and wrote the scene for the next day, which was really long and too much stuff, and it was a little tricky because it had to be. Matt sort of coming up with this stuff from the, the the other player who had been drafted at the same time and talking about Dean Smith, which we got from watching in the editing room. The broadcasters say, Dean Smith has never won the big one. And it really helped us go, okay, so this is what they were thinking and seeing. And then we were like, slowed it down and focused it on like, oh, maybe we can zoom in on Jordan here and see. Cause originally I had said, like, find some close ups of Jordan. Well, they didn't have close ups <laughs> players. It was like, this is it. This is all you see. And so then we went out and did wrote this down sort of hastily. This is usually a recipe for disaster. <laughs> where you, The actor's kind of, we're all sitting there writing right away the night before. We come in and we're like, okay, we're going to shoot it. We shoot the scene all day. At the end, like, you know, it's just Matt up there kind of flailing. He's got the ideas, but he's trying to do stuff. And I could tell, like, you know, you know, when an actor's kind of like, oh, and he knows. He's like, I don't know. You know, never gets it really right the whole time. It never sort of hangs together. And he's like, fuck, it doesn't work. But I, ha- I remember thinking like, okay, if we have this, if we have this. Matt has never actually edited a movie himself as a director before, so I have a little bit more insight in that regard. And also, I'm watching him. So I know that, like, no, no, that part's good, that part's good. It's hard not to get caught up in, like, but the end was so bad. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's not, no one's going to see that, right? We're going to just, and he was like, dude, we got to reshoot that, we got to reshoot that. And I was like, just trust me, dude. This, and he didn't really know Billy, you know? Um, and I was like, Billy, I don't think he even quite appreciated how important editing is really uh, to directing and then and so I said, well, just just wait. I'm not gonna reshoot. He said, let's reshoot it tomorrow. And I was like, you're you're being like Rob. Rob Williams like little hunting always wanted to reshoot the scene the next day. We'd finish the scene, you go boss. Get, hey, what do you think? We like it. We should reshoot that today. We're like, no, Robin, please. It's fine. <laughs> like, if he, he would do like three days in a row, same scene, and we're like, it's already good. Why is Robin? <laughs> so it's like you're doing like a Robin thing here. Wait, let's just and he was like, all right. I said, trust, trust me. So finally, I I go and I'm like, Billy, did you cut the scene. You're like, yeah, I think it's I think it's okay. And I just knew I could feel it because I knew all the pieces were there and I knew how good Billy was. It had been a day. Walked out in and was like, take a look at the scene. He was, this guy's done a lot of movies. He's like, been through this a lot. And he was as shocked as I've ever seen he Could He was like, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I can't fucking believe it. I assume was terrible. And I was like, it wasn't terrible, but it was like, it wasn't ever done right. We never got through it right. We never even really figured it out. And Billy just... Really, that is an exercise in editorial fucking genius, which is fine knowing where you wanna be for certain moments and which moments are integral. And he had constructed it and it just worked fucking great. And that's when we knew, i remember similar to Argo in the scene at the Smokehouse with John Goodman, um, talking about like the, the the writers are for what the free food and, and he reached monkey, could be a director and stuff. That was when I thought, okay, these tones will work together. And in this one, I was like, this is gonna work. Because it does actually seem like he sees something people haven't seen. And after that, Matt
0: was just always like, I'd be like, yeah, I think it was good. He's like, what does Billy think? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember Billy? I mean, like how tough it was for you to get that scene right and what the key was?
2: Yeah, I remember very vividly because I remember the night before when we were just sort of figuring it out. What about this? What about that? And, you know, and we talked a lot about it in the room. And then they said he went, they went home and wrote. And, you know, for me it's my job to look, to f- know what's good, you know, to know what the good pieces are, to know what's convincing, to know what feels real to an audience. And, and I'm lucky enough to work on a lot of movies that are really good. And, and so you get to the point where you feel like, okay, I can tell some of that good performance from a bad performance or a great performance from a good performance. And for me, like Ben said, I saw, as soon as I saw the dailies, I was like, okay, that piece is great. That piece is great. That that moment, that subject he's talking about, you know, is that, that's worth having. The Dean Smith, that's worth having. And, you know, I just, put it together and it, you know, the it was ma- like magic in terms of, you know, Matt's such a great actor that I think he didn't see all the good stuff around the stuff that he, you know, it wasn't like he was bad. He just forgot his lines or set him in the wrong order or whatever.
1: Yeah, part of his memorization, you wrote all these pages and you couldn't memorize them. Well, what
2: am I supposed to say? Who's the guy? Who's the... Is Lyndell Robinson though That's right. <laughs> to me, it was just like, that's what I've been doing and, and it, I saw and... You know, it's the first time I've ever cut Matt. You know, and uh, when you get to when you're an editor, you really get to see what an actor's all about. You know, and all that matters is the end result. But, but all but you can see, you know, who's great and who's got to be made in the editing room. And and Matt is just, you know, I think such an underrated actor, even though he's such a big star. But I think he's even better than most people think. And and it was, you know, his he was totally committed to the parts that were good. So for me, I was just like, okay, take the good parts and. And I saw, like, okay, I, I, you know, when I had the actual footage of Jordan, and I said, okay, I know I'm going to use that for the final piece. I knew that's going to be this. And, you know, I just kind of saw the Found pieces. the other shot in the game. There's another piece of footage of him that wasn't
1: the – that was, like, must have been Wide World of Sports or something. Yeah, it was yeah. there shooting. So
2: oh, it was, he, like, film film instead of video. So, so I motion. saved that for the, for and the final. And
1: then it used the Find the Right Temp score to bring us into the transition because it shifts gears into – you know, going from like, watch Jordan, right? And he goes, okay, now you see that now that Jordan knows he's going to get the ball, watch how he behaves, which recontextualizes it. Recontextualizes it, And then you, you kind of, the scene has to shift gears where he sits down with Bateman and gives him the hard sell about what his proposal is and integrating that all. And there was like another underrated thing with great editors is like finding the right temp score that gives you a cue into what the right emotional curve is and what the really is going to drive a lot of what composers do because they take a lot of cues from people, editors who do great temp scores. It's an underrated thing, which Billy is really great with finding that that temp score from movies, kind of encyclopedic knowledge of composers and see it, all the film score history and what it's done. And it, all, it looked like a finished fucking scene. It was done. That was the thing about it. I was like, you know, it was a little bit. I was like, we how lucky that is. <laughs> so now Matt is just hero worship. He thinks he
2: can fix anything, by the way. They're so get Billy to do it. I'm like, well, I don't think he can fix this, Matt. I mean, it is pretty much the first cut. I mean, there's a couple little changes, but especially that heart of the scene. I mean, it is kind of the first cut, which is, you know, it's not that often that happens. I don't, you know, it's, it, but. Um, the other time that happened
1: for me and Billy that I remember, well, the was the i thought the hardest thing in argo was going to be like it talked about blending the tones because it could have been like a calamitous thing where you're trying to make it is it funny and there's hostages Eh, that's not funny you know and it's not funny that that you know that the the political realities and the fear people had and the mock executions and so i had this montage set up where you have like um uh, mendez in los angeles putting together this like schlocky star wars ripoff table read that's completely fraudulent and it's absurdist. And then intercutting that with the Tehran Mary reading the actual propaganda that was being delivered by the Revolutionary Guards and intercutting that with the hostages and the embassy and the mock executions. And I just thought, like, this is where it's either like a really good movie or a Saturday Night Live sketch, yeah. you know, where it just seems like you just people go like, oh, my God, you know, we can't release it. And so I was really nervous about it. And I shot and shot and shot it, but really, you know, I shot each piece separately, right? You shoot the hostage, you know, the mock executions, the 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 propaganda reading, the read through, and the Beverly Hilton over here, which was like a '70s circus atmosphere. I wanted to use Dance the Night Away for part of, you know, and so I was really worried about it. I didn't want to watch this. I said, oh, Billy, how's the montage? How's that montage going? He was like, "Oh, it's good." He never really he was like, <laughs> "Like, I think it's good." No, I, said, I see something. No, And he was. I said, "How's the montage?" Uh, I said, "All right, Billy, I gotta see the montage. How is it?" He? he goes, oh, "I think it's really good, actually." And I said, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah, I think it's the best thing I've ever caught." I was like, "What?" And I thought, "Like that is the weirdest thing because Billy's really so neurotic and down on everything all the time. I always hates everything." So I was like, "Okay." They played that montage for me as far as I know is exactly as I saw it the first time in the final. I mean, exactly, and it it anchors the movie and connects the two tones, and that is the weight reason that that movie works, in my opinion, connecting those two very disparate stories and tones. And this was another time where it was like, it never, ever changed. By the way, Billy, usually if I'm in the beginning with Gambia be Gone, I was like, no, 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 no. I was very certain of my, but I slowly learned over time that sometimes I could be wrong about these things. And um, now I usually, if we get a discussion with Billy and he's like, no, no, I really think this, I'm like, if he's going to say it, I'm like, okay, it's probably a reason. All right, okay, leave it. You know, I don't ever argue or fight it anymore. Like if he decides, like, I think this is better. It's usually because I just am a little bit blinded by being close to something or having written something a certain way or something. And, you know, Billy just directed uh, as in the middle of directing this movie. And I've seen it stopped because of the strike, but I've seen the first half of it and I just love it so much. And it's it, it, the, the happiness of validating my theory of great editors being great directors, not that it's more my theory, but it's my belief and Billy is mitigated by the fact Tragic, sad fact that I'm not going to get to work with him because <laughs> he's going to be directing movies. And you should, you can cut something for the hell. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wouldn't hire me to cut too slow.
0: <laughs> ben, how objective are you about your own performance? I mean, to me, it seems like yeah, directing yourself would be very difficult. So, uh, you know, how clearly do you? see yourself and how much do you rely on Billy to calibrate that? I, I usually, unless there's something like, I just trust Billy to do it, you know, because I
1: think like, okay, I'll wait, I'll shoot a couple of takes then go like, this feels right. And actually in this movie in here, having Matt, who I trust, I really trust, is really good at this. Directing is more about gauging, you know what I mean? It's like, how to do that, what do you think? Is this landing? Are we here? You know, is this too much? Is this too little? It's stuff like that. And kind of sharing that process with each other, um, but I've always felt like, I have tried to unwind stuff that Billy's done because I've looked at it and been like, I don't know, I think I ended that. And it almost always ends up just basically, I remind myself of the actor where you show up in the trailer at like seven in the morning and they want to rewrite the whole scene and you do five hours in the trailer and at the end you leave with the scene <laughs> as it was written. And so I found myself being that guy leaving with pretty much the same cut I walked in there in the morning with. So I've, I've learned to just, and I feel like in that case in particular, you know, your, whether it's your vanity or your idea of, like, your one's idea of oneself, I like think, in general, is a little bit skewed. It's a very hard thing to have real perspective on yourself. And that's probably the most important place, unless the perk editor is really a genius and is really a great director himself and is kind of just doing you a great favor, and, which is in the case of, of Billy. And so it's like not only just to do the performance, but I'm kind of like, I don't really, I couldn't, I don't know that I cut the movie better than, I could cut the movie better than Billy does. All I can say is, like, uh, it's also supposed to include this idea or we're missing this Joe. Like, that's supposed to be funny. should it that funny? <laughs> it should be funny.
2: He actually is funny to watch, you know, when he's uh, when he's we're in the editing room and evaluating his own performance, yelling at the guy on the screen. Like, what do you do? What, why are you doing that? Sometimes yeah. you hate yourself. When you yeah.
1: watch. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> What's how stupid? Why are you doing this? <laughs> like, you get frustrated with yourself. I get more of myself as an actor than anybody else where I'm just like, this is so bad, why not, you know?